the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak, and uh, today joining us is Mara Gordon, who's a uh, not just a cannabis advocate, but an entrepreneur and researcher whose uh, products under the brand name Anzelda are famous around the world for the relief they bring to patients and also for Mara's dedication towards helping people. It's not just a matter of putting a product out there. It's getting to know people and understand their pains and their needs and helping them uh, achieve relief. And uh, Mara, you've been involved, I think, since about 2011, if I'm correct, um, in, from an industry perspective, and I'm sure long before that, learning more. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey to, you know, on patient care? Uh, yeah, it was actually uh, in, in December of 2010, uh, I had the experience of uh, having my entire view on cannabis turned around. I was in bad pain and a woman who uh, I was friends with had come to visit me and she was somebody who used cannabis, smoked it daily for harm reduction. And um, uh, she, uh, she suggested that I try it. And when I took a couple of puffs and my pain went away, uh, I was just in shock that something so simple could work so well and that no doctor had mentioned this to me previously. Um, I started out not looking to start a business or to, start, to change an industry. I started out looking for products. Uh, I went to a dispensary, you know, one of the nicest ones out there. And, and the information that I was given and the products that I was sold were so um, inadequate and inappropriate for what I needed that I thought, well, I just have to do this myself. And so I started doing uh, experimentation and I started lab testing in April of 2011, which is you know, f fairly unusual to be, yep. to be testing back in those days um, because I wanted to understand what was the difference between each and every one of these and why do they make us feel differently based upon what's in them and how they're used. So uh, that was the beginning of it. Uh, I was making products really I started out making my Aunt Zelda's carrot cake and medicating it, <laughs> uh, you know, which is where the name came from. You know, she yep. had a great recipe and it had a lot of oil in it and I needed an oily recipe. And um, people just started asking, you know, wow, I mean, the difference in how you and your husband look, you know, will you make some for me, for my mother, my, my neighbor, that sort of thing. And before I knew it, you know, I realized that I could not scale carrot cake. You know, you know, you can't you can't bake enough carrot cakes to treat. No, you can't. Right. right, and the oil was the medicine anyway, and you also can dose more accurately when you're dealing with something like that. So we took it out of the carrot cake and just the oil, and uh, started treating uh, patients um, for quite a while. Uh, there was a film crew following me around for the documentary "We the People." And um, we established a bit of a reputation for treating a lot of pediatric cancer. And we have treated quite a lot of it. But I actually entered this to be treating, uh, focused more on like the diseases of aging, which include cancer. Um, right. Right. So, uh, you know, my husband and I are both, you know, baby boomers. 
And uh, that was the population that we thought. Now, obviously, we treat people of all ages and um, even their dogs and cats sometimes. Yeah, and you know, that's a, it's an interesting point you raised just about the, we don't think of it, but one of the things I learned a few years ago in helping a, a few, few charities and one specifically dealing with uh, disabled, but aging is a form, it be, you acquire disabilities as you age, and we don't think of it that way. And a lot of the things that we acquire as disabilities, you know, the aches, the pains, the movement issues, here I'm making myself sound like I'm uh, decrepit, but <laughs> these are things we all, we all acquire slowly with an onset. And it's shocking how cannabis can help um, offset those issues. Not, you know, we can't cure them. Age is a, you know, it's straight arrow and we're moved forward and through time uh, consistently. But, you know, that's why it's called the arrow of time. But, you know, aging related issues can definitely be helped through uh, the use of proper use of medical cannabis. And, you know, that's where you started in many aspects and, you know, mentioned cancer. But, you know, as, as I go around the world and I've met people in South America who've mentioned you and I've met people in Europe who've mentioned you, you know, and they always mention about your dedication and your care. But one of the things has also been some doctors who've referenced you. And, you know, these doctors are looking for solutions on behalf of patients. But so many people walk into doctor's offices and the doctors, they don't know and so they won't help. And it's always scary when I hear about a doctor who doesn't want to learn because we think of doctors as scientists and scientists by their nature should be curious and wanting to learn more about the world to, to help their patients. You deal with a lot of doctors and walk them through those growing pains. Um, how do you get them over that fear of the unknown? Because as medical cannabis opens up and expands around the world, Patients everywhere are going to deal with the same things we dealt with in, you know, in the California or in Canada, where there are some doctors who are still behind the times, but there are many who uh, who look at it and see the opportunity of I can help patients in new ways. How do you see that happening? And what do you think are the biggest steps that uh, patients have to be aware of in helping educate their doctors? Well, wow, that's a, that's a big question. Um, first thing I'm mean, first you, you nailed it when you said doctors are supposed to be scientists. But uh, one of the things that I have often said in when I'm giving speeches or in, in, in addressing a room is that uh, many many doctors are not scientists; they're just uh, tradesmen. They basically uh-huh. you come into their office, they uh, check a couple of things on a, on the sheet. They may or may not ask you a couple of questions probably don't even make eye contact or even physically touch your body. And based upon what is in the, the, um, the DSM-3 or whatever, they come up with a diagnosis, or sorry, DSM, I guess I don't even know what we're on now. Is it five or seven or something? Right. But anyway, but on, they, they look at what the diagnosis is and they say, okay, based upon that, it says here in this physician desk reference that I'm supposed to give you this and you're supposed to start out taking this much. And then if that doesn't work, then we go to this. And they just basically are filling an order. Uh, yeah, it's a paint by numbers, right? A, correct. Then you, get, then you get doctors that are scientists, doctors that are curious and continuously looking to learn and expand 
Um, you know, the ones that go to conferences so that they can get their continuing education credit and actually attend the classes versus going and playing golf as soon as they get signed off on. You know, it's, it's, it's just a different mentality for different types of doctors. Now, I've been very fortunate that I've, I've um, in cannabis, been able to work with, you know, all kinds. Um, when I first started out, you know, you can only imagine uh, the kind of pushback I got a decade ago, or, you know, nine years ago um, uh, from doctors. Uh, but the, the one key uh, uh, thing that I have said all along and continue to say is that uh, I truly believe that cannabis and the monitoring of it with patients should be in the hands of the medical community, not in the hands of people like me which is why I train doctors in understanding the fact that we have this thing called an endocannabinoid system. We have all these different cannabinoids and, these, and then the medicinal effects of the terpenes and the things like that so that they can start understanding you know, that you know, we didn't always know that we had a circulatory system. We didn't always know that we had a nervous system. We didn't always know that we had all the other systems in our body. It was only after we found them that doctors start treating with them. And this is just another one. It is. It is just another one. And doctors are on a learning curve like everyone else. And I think when we come back from the break, uh, maybe we should talk a bit about some of that uh, physician and, and you know, doctor medical um, clientele uh, knowledge and uh, telemedicine. And I know you're uh, passionate about that as well in terms of, yes. of uh, distributing knowledge. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes from break. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak and with Mara Gordon. Joining, coming back in a moment. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio.
climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. And we're back on The Green Peak with Mara Gordon. I'm Richard Zwicky, your host. And uh, before the break, we're talking a lot about physicians and how it spreads out and changes uh, the education curve uh, around the world and what some physicians have gone through and new ones are going to be going through every day. But Mara, you've been approaching and dealing with physicians and training them into the the opportunity of using cannabis as part of a patient, a com- comprehensive patient care regimen uh, since 2011. And one of the things you did was uh, launch uh, Calispring Wellness, which is a telemedicine platform, I believe, uh, for physicians and nurses to help guide them through this process. Correct. How, how yeah. is that coming out? How, doctors around the world, are you, are, is it multilingual? Uh, and, you know, how it's focused at physicians, but can it also help just patients? Well, I actually, I built the platform that I built called CDR Med. It stands for Cannabis Desk Reference. And uh, uh, it's utilized by Calispring Wellness. And Calispring Wellness is utilized by a limited amount of doctors and nurses right now, primarily because, you know, I can't, I can't do everything at once. <laughs> and, and also everything takes money. Uh, but the way that Calispring Wellness works is that a patient will make a, an appointment and it's done through telemedicine and they're able to have a very in-depth, they, they use the, the access to CDR Med as a patient. Um, from the uh, dashboard that, that they're given a link to log into, just like you would go to any other doctor, except that when you go to uh, most doctors, they hand you a clipboard with you know 12 pages they want you to fill out. Um, and, that ta- and, and then it's like, what are they going to do with all those papers in 2020? Um, and or even in 2011, what were they going to do with all those papers? So I just basically took the electronic intake process and I took the, excuse me, I took the patient intake process and I made it electronic uh, and uh, editable and accessible on both ends from the doctor and the patient. And then, um, uh, and then I added a section on cannabis history and usage and all the things having to do with cannabis that a doctor doesn't even know enough to know which questions to ask. So I, I solved that problem for them by asking the questions ahead of time to the patients so that they know the level of naivete and experience and what the outcomes had been for patients and whether they're using it and what at the time. Uh, and then uh, right now, um, I'm in the process, I mean, me and everybody else, but I'm in the process of raising uh, more funds to expand it and make it more available um, in uh, around the world. I mean, I have everywhere I go, the doctors clamor for access. But it'll, you know, if I have if I sign on any more than I've got now, it's probably going to break the system. So I need to just get it a little bit more robust before I can expand. But that certainly is the goal: is to get it bigger. In the meantime, though, um, any doctor, I mean, any doctor that reaches out to us. Um, there's, there's never even a, a hesitation without a, us accessing the data and giving the information they need in order to treat a patient. So um, we're always willing to do that because we've been collecting the data on these patients now for all these years. And we have very extensive, about 300 data points going in on each patient and then what they use and how they use it and then what the outcomes are. So it's a pretty robust set of data. Yeah, and that data is incredibly valuable for uh, doctors, researchers, and everybody else in the industry, because one of the challenges that doctors face on a consistent basis is the lack of 
really authoritative research and understanding of outcomes and how right. how right. to manage patient care isn't you know, right. coming well, back to even what we we're talking about, doctors, you know, they want to follow guidelines because they want to, they want to give patients the best possible care, and they don't want to take risks and they don't with something they don't yeah. understand. They don't know how not to do that or how to approach right. it. Right. So what you've got with that information is tremendously beneficial to patients, right. to doctors, to guide them. And you know, I think doctors are looking for guidance and they're looking for. They're like anyone else. They're curious and they want to know more. And they want, you know, in their case, it's the experiment is the patient in terms of how do I help this person overcome their challenges. And some are more, uh, you know, formulistic and formulaic and that this works and we'll follow it. And others are willing to go and try something new if the, the patient wants to. But which, you know, at the end of the day, patients just want relief. Now... As you've been can developing, I, can I inter- can, sorry, may yeah. I interject something there? Sorry. So uh, I'm going to just go ahead and, 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 and include here one of the things that we have found. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Doctors want guidelines. Doctors want a formula. Doctors want something they can point to that makes them to have some confidence. Because you're right, they're not experimenting on a car, and if it breaks, they just get a new car. They're they're talking about people's lives, and oftentimes right. when people come looking for cannabis. They've, they've used up their other options or, or they're out of options or they're suffering so badly that the doctors, you know, is beside themselves to try to figure out what to help them. But one of the things that we have found is that there is no correlation. And this is the data shows this very, very clearly that there's no correlation between how much a person weighs and what their dose is of cannabis. So that makes the medical community very uncomfortable because they are accustomed to dosing milligrams per kilogram. Now, right. but, if, but I, what I do when I talk to doctors is I break that down and I say, okay, you have a patient who has uh, depression, for example, or you know, hormone imbalance or all sorts of other things. How many different drugs do you try before you find one that works? How many different doses do you have that patient on before you find one that works and it's steady? All medicine is bespoke medicine. The difference is you have a book that holds your hand that tells you what to try next with, with pharmaceuticals. And this one, you have to, it's a more of a collaboration with the patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very true and excellent. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, you've been working on as far as research goes, if I remember correctly, and it came up, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm in meeting with some government officials down in uh, Central America this week. Mm -hmm. And one of them had a very personal question with regard to autism. Mm -hmm. And you're running a clinical trial with regards to autism. And I know, you know, we've had people come to us with regards to that when I've been in Peru. And, uh, you know, mothers were being, a few years ago, mothers were being arrested for making medicine for their kids, which is Mm -hmm. how I got involved in Peru with helping uh, drive changes to the law that uh, prevented that from happening again. That mothers weren't being arrested for helping their children, but you know, in the UK, I've had a lot of people come up to me and asking about that. But you're doing clinical trials around that. How big is the trial, and what are you seeing? Because it's a it's a challenge to answer that question, yeah, especially with autism. Right. Well, it's a challenge with any disease when it comes to cannabis because each one is so different. Um, but I, I, so I, I've started uh, a number of different companies to suit, to, to, uh, address the different issues in this industry. And one of the companies that I had started was Zelda Therapeutics, um, out of Australia. 
uh, Zelda uh-huh. Therapeutics. It's uh, it's a publicly traded company. It's now uh, merged with Alira, and it's now called Zalira. Uh, but we, as Zelda Therapeutics, had been doing a uh, clinical trial. Excuse me, an observational clinical trial with uh, Chops in Philadelphia, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Right. Thank and, you. Right, and. Um, it's basically four formulations and ob- observing uh, what they're using, how it's working, and at what doses, so that we can then take that information afterwards and hopefully narrow down to something that, you know, applying the 80 20 rule that, you know, it's going to work for 80% and not for 20%, which is pretty standard of what the way you have to approach uh, when formulating. Uh, at least that's the approach that I take. Is because I can't, I can't, everybody's going to be a little bit bespoke, but you got to have, you know, a basic starting point, um, looking at what's working for uh, autism. But in, in my experience, you know, we have found that obviously that they've got to have some THC. It is not a CBD, you know, you know, people think the CBD is the medicine and cannabis. I don't know. Most of my patients or, or most of the people that we treat, uh, CBD is an also THC is the big heavy lifter. Uh, with autism, also THCA, which is the raw cannabinoid, and uh, CBG, which you know the, uh, also seem to be extremely beneficial. So it's not just looking for one magic bullet so that we can come out with that formula to treat. Um, it's a long process doing a trial. Let me tell you, it's you know. Yes. We've been doing a clinical trial on insomnia. I think we're just entering stage three now, or phase three of the insomnia study, and. Um, People are like, where are the results? You've been at this study now for, you know, you've been talking about this for two years. I'm like, are you kidding? Do you have any idea how long it takes to get a drug to market? Okay, so the study is, is ongoing now, and I hope that we'll have results from it sometime in the next couple, uh, sometime this year. Uh, that's the hope. Uh, I'm not an autism specialist by any stretch of the imagination, but it is something that we that we've been treating for a long time, and we hope to see... Uh, very beneficial results because there aren't any good drugs out there right now for for those suffering with autism or not suffering that's the wrong word those that are dealing with autism um, and uh, have you know behavioral issues gastrointestinal issues communication issues that sort of thing yeah I mean it is truly amazing uh, how many different conditions are are affected by the cannabis plant to a positive adjustment and you know, I think it's understandable that the medical community doesn't isn't as up to date as it could be when you consider how recently the endogenous cannabinoid system was actually properly defined and how long that type of information takes to develop fully. It's great to see you having the uh, the clinical trials with regards to autism and insomnia and, and uh, chronic pain, and uh, you know because those clinical trials form the basis of what doctors will use to drive the treatment of patients in the future. And, you know, one thing you touched upon just before in your conversation was, you know, your, your perspective that THC gets maligned, but it's just as important in the medicine as uh, anything else. And we, you know, we know there's 124 odd, I mean, I keep hearing different numbers, but the last count, there were two more discovered or uh, announced a couple of weeks ago, different cannabinoids in the, in the plant itself. But people don't understand that they're also, they interact with each other. And there's a, you know, people can talk about the entourage effect, but the reality is for children, a little bit of THC is the activator for the brain to understand how to use the other compounds. has been one thing that's been explained to me along the way. And 
it's not necessarily true in every condition, but it's the same as is true when you put on a bomb that has menthol. That smell, that feeling is the activator of the body to start responding. And response is a big, big part of any treatment and getting the body on the path to healing and uh, adjusting itself. And when we come back from the break, what I'd love to do is talk about some, uh, let's focus a little bit on what you've done in Australia, as you mentioned, uh, with uh, Zelda and Zalera, and how you're looking at taking it out the world and, you know, one condition and one doctor at a time and physician at a time getting people healthy. So we'll be back from the break in a moment. I'm Richard Zwicky with Mara Gordon on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. It's time to Hemp Present. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. Welcome back. I'm Richard Zwicky, your host with the Green Peak. And uh, today we have Mara Gordon, of course, with who's famous and made the brand and Zelda famous um, in the cannabis treatment and uh, physician education space around the world. And uh, Mara, one of the things I know, you know, you started off and did an initiative in Australia, which has become uh, Zalera, and that's going on its own way um, and developing out. But of course, and Zelda itself as a brand is something that is known around the world. And I think you're looking to really introduce in a much stronger way around the world over the next, uh, you know, I can't say 12 months, six months, 24 months, because everything takes a while and it's a constant progress. But 
one aspect is has been that we we're talking about was the uh, trials and the like, and we know you've been running a number of trials in GW, although it has one product in the market, is really doing about 50 clinical trials right now in Europe. But one aspect of Anzelda that you're very passionate about is uh, breast cancer. And do you want to speak to us a bit about how you've approached that and what you've seen as uh, benefits to the patients and where to give patients some um, hope and direction? Yeah, so an interesting an interesting trial that uh, or it was a preclinical trial. It was conducted at Complutense University in Spain. Uh, the uh, chief uh, investigator was Dr. Cristina Sanchez uh, and Manuel mm-hmm. Guzman's lab. I mean, very. These are not these are not sketchy, you know, back alley researchers. <laughs> these are no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I pinch myself sometimes that they were willing to work with us. Um, so what we did is we took, you know, answered, you know, people were, as the industry has been moving, one of the things, one of the spaces that I believe that I fill is that I'm the voice of, of reason. And I feel like I'm the voice of truth because I've never put pushing a product in front of pushing the truth about what is needed in the medicine. You know, I, I and, and I think that as a result, I'm all, I've looked at what is actually working and not like I've created a product and now I'm going to tell you my product works, right? So, you know, as, as the industry has been maturing, you see more and more people using distillates and isolates and synthetics uh, of the cannabinoids. You know, people were built, growing them on yeast and people were doing all these other things. And uh, they're saying they're just as good a molecule as a molecule. And so I wanted to prove this is in fact true. You know, yes, of course, a molecule is a molecule, but if you take an isolated uh, THC molecule and you take a whole plant extract that contains you know, a myriad of cannabinoids and terpenes, um, and you, by the way, not including CBD, just, you know, as an as a, uh, a important note, but a whole plant THC with everything else and all these other uh, terpenes, et cetera, in there, and you compare them in treating the three major subtypes of breast cancer, the, you know, hormone receptive, the uh, HER2 positive, and then the triple negative, um, how are they going to work in comparison to each other? And what we found was that the whole plant not only worked um, exponentially better than the single molecule, in some cases, the single molecule didn't even really work. And the whole plant extract worked as well in uh, all three cases, any kind of targeted medicines that are already out there. Like, for example, with HER2 positive, they use lapatinib. They could use uh, the whole plant extract and it worked just as well. Um, what's really hopeful about that is that it is going to make it, it takes away the question is it safe for me to use cannabis while I'm on chemo or while I'm on treatment? But the second and, more, and uh, uh, biggest thing is on the triple negative it had huge response to killing the breast cancer cells on triple negative, and there is no targeted drug in the, in the pharmaceutical market to treat that disease. So, so traditionally, people that have triple negative have the most negative uh, outcomes. So the fact that we have a, that we have a, uh, a formulation or that we have hope using cannabis for treating these people um, is a huge move forward in potential for treating people and saving lives. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I know, you know, for my 
from personal experience, my mom went through a cancer treatment and the cannabis, the medical cannabis topical that she used helped turn her, uh, her whole course around. And it's, it's stories that when you hear that from other people, you really realize how powerful it is. But you said something that could actually form the basis of an entire, not just a show, but a real discussion at a conference of value that people really need to understand. You know, molecule isn't always just a molecule. And just having one ca cannabis molecule doesn't mean you're going to get the cure. Um, it's kind of like saying, uh, you know, a molecule is like a molecule where people don't take synthetic oil and put it on their pasta. They put of olive oil on their pasta because it actually has a full effect. And that's, you know, maybe that's being flippant when I say it. It's not meant to be. It's meant as a bit of perspective. You can't just recreate something and magic expect it does everything that nature did. Nature evolved over billions of years for a reason. Um, and we have to, you know, we have to continually work to educate doctors and physicians, <clears throat> but also learn because we've come out of a dark age of medical knowledge with regards to this plant that was inflicted upon us. And uh, we're only scratching the surface of what to do, but the work you've been doing has uh, been pioneering in the industry worldwide in terms of your approach and your dedication to patients. So I'd like to thank you for that because it's work like yours that uh, saves a lot of people's lives. Well, thank you very much. I'm uh, absolutely, uh, well, yesterday I turned 61 and my only frustration Happy is birthday. that, thank you. My only frustration is I don't have another 61 years ahead of me because there's so much to do. Um, there's just so much work left to do and there's so many things I still want to do and there's so many things I'm curious about and there's so many things I want to study and there's so, you know, there's so many minds to change. Um, I'm excited that we're moving into, you know, Aunt Zelda's is going to be available in other countries here pretty soon. We're starting to do manufacturing in um, South Africa and it looks like we're going to be in Brazil um, uh, I'm very excited about those. And then, you know, looking at other countries as well, anyone that allows import will be able to import to from South Africa, which, uh, is very, very exciting for us. That's exciting. Right. And exciting for patients in the, uh, you the know, countries right. that are available in. Right. And one of the things I want to, I want to add here, if, if I can just take a second on my bully pulpit is that, you know, I do have, I do travel the world. I do speak all over and, um, you know, no, I'm, I'm a straight shooter. So what I say, I mean it, you know, nothing is a sales pitch. And one of the things that I've seen in some of the countries around the world in Europe and other places is, uh, in Colombia is you have these companies, uh, a lot of them Canadian that, um, I promise I'm not going to name any names, but go into <laughs> these countries and they set up operations and they, um, they're reminiscent of the colonial days from the standpoint that they create these jobs for people and all that, but then they repatriate all the, the, the revenue and the money that comes out of it. You know, what my, my model is, is go to these different countries, teach the people how to make the, the medicines, you know, help have them share in all the intellectual property and all the formulations and all the, you know, the how to do it let them create their own businesses and then pay just a, you know, a royalty feedback, but let it be yep. empowering to them to become self-sufficient and create their own industry within their own countries. And that's the model that I'm following um, and not yeah. the ugly American 
of, you know, or the ugly Brit or whatever from colonial days that, you know, goes there and, you know, all roads in, you know, South America lead to the, to the shore and not across the country because it was all about exportation. Uh, so we need to uh, absolutely, Maren. I think, you know, com companies worldwide have to be uh, mindful of their social impact. And if they're not, really, they don't belong. But we've run out of time. Um, I want to thank you for joining us today. And I know our listeners are enriched by uh, not just this interview, but by your contributions to patients worldwide over the last uh, nine years now. And uh, I'm excited to have you on the show again at some point when we can talk about some of the, how you've rolled out internationally on, uh, in a few months, how more of that progress has been made. But thank you for joining us today on The Green Peak. And thank you to everybody for listening. Talk to you again next week. Thank you. I'm Richard Zwicky. My pleasure. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.